<laughs> oh yes, you know that charming laugh. It's producer Nick here for Clerically Speaking, filling in for the guys as they're on their break. It's really nice to be doing the podcast. It's actually a little distracting in my house where I'm recording this right now. My mom uh, just gave me a St. Patrick's Day present. Now I know what you're thinking. Who gives someone else a St. Patrick's Day present? Well, my mom does. See, ever since I married producer Riley, this gave my mom an excuse to get a girl gifts. My mom's like love language is gift giving and she had three boys growing up. Me, my older brother, Father Anthony, and my younger brother. And so she's been always like her whole life just waiting to give gifts to a girl. Uh, so the moment came, we got married, hooray. And Riley got so many nice, pretty St. Patrick's Day gifts, a shirt, some stationery. Riley loves writing letters. She loves stationery. And then she's like, oh, what do I get, Nick? Well, I'll, I'll get him some, I'll give him some cash. And I was like, sweet. This marriage thing is turning out really, really great. And so I decided with this little bit of extra money, I'm like, I'm going to buy some crab legs. Yeah, freaking love crab legs. If it's an all you can eat crab leg place and they put that price around $40, oh, they're losing money on me. I love it. I remember once my wife actually bought me crab legs for like just a regular date night. I'm like, are you kidding? You're the best wife ever. I said, you didn't have to spend your money on me like that. And she's like, you know, now that we're married, my money is your money. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Well, okay. I guess I'll eat those crab legs because you love me so much. Yeah. So my whole house smells like seafood. And when my wife eventually comes home, she will smell the seafood. I have one of those small houses that when you cook something, it kind of smells like that forever. Other than that, guys, marriage has been great. Talk about you know, being a layperson on a clerically speaking podcast, marriage has been great. If you're one of those people out there who, when you just meet a, a married person and you say something like, ha, run away while you still can, like at that point of engagement, huh, get out. Why would you want to get married? <laughs> oh, there's nothing that makes me angrier. I can't wait until I'm married to my wife for like 50 years and I'm like, I love my wife. Doesn't that sound cool? Shouldn't that be the standard? You know how like guys are always portrayed in media as like dopes who are stupid and their wives are so smart and naggy. No, I married an awesome, beautiful, smart wife. I'm also awesome and beautiful. It's great. Marriage is great. If you're thinking to yourself, should I get married? The answer is no, become a priest. We're still listening to, to clerically speaking, but marriage is cool. Enough about my own life. That's my attempt at banter this week. So let's jump into the first segment of the show. The Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa. 
Summa Theologica was St. Thomas Aquinas's uh, dissertation of the theology and stuff that he prayed about and smarts and stuff. Yeah, I still don't have the, I still don't have the script. I, I, I'll ask for it. The guys are on a break. I don't want to bother them. And the Summa Tweetologica is when I read tweets and talk about them on this podcast. First tweet goes to at Bearded Blevins. Jonathan Blevins says, starting a podcast called Laically Speaking with at Papa Sharapa to own the clerics. I actually retweeted this saying that we have already recorded our first two episodes. Well, it's a lie. It's a lie. I haven't, uh, I have no desire to do a podcast unless, unless there's an idea that hasn't been done yet. And you know what I mean. There's so many different Catholic podcasts with uh, different perspectives. But if you want like two Catholic guys in ministry talking about ministry, that's catching foxes. If you want two priests who uh, are not as good as Father Harrison and Father Anthony, well, that's Catholic stuff you should know. A lot of Balthazar on there, though. That's actually pretty, pretty dope. There have been a couple awesome podcasts on there. If you want philosophy in Aquinas, you have Pines with Aquinas. You know, uh, Tea with Tolkien has a nice podcast. So many good podcasts out there. Uh, Katie Prejean McGrady has a good podcast. There's so many good podcasts. I, I'm, I'm missing them out there. If you want, if the listeners of this show would want producer Nick to do a podcast, you have to come up with a good idea for me. So email me your idea at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. And John Blevins, like, if you want to do a podcast with me, that'd be fun. As much as I love hearing my own voice, and I do, I think it'd be fun to do it with someone. So if you have an idea, let me know. If not, I just think the market's already crowded. I don't think we need another Catholic podcast unless it's something new and inventive. Okay, the next tweet is actually not from me. It doesn't involve me. In fact, it's not even a tweet. It's this new Twitter account. You might have seen it. It's at USCCBP. And when you read the tweets, you see just a bunch of mockery. This account is just mocking our bishops in the United States. And it takes these stances. You can tell that it's just some, some politically um, conservative dude who is just uh, painting the USCCB as an organization that's not Catholic, that's just falling to uh, like a leftist political agenda or something like that. And honestly, it's boring. It's just boring. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of tired of the political Catholicism thing. It's unproductive. It operates out of a wound. I don't know, guys, like uh, whenever we go on Facebook and we see the political rants and we see Catholicism in it, it's boring. I've, I have yet to see a take that is actually interesting. Well, I'm really, really angry, says this tweet. 
So I'll say something that's really sassy that will get other people fired up that will mock our Catholic leadership. I mean, yippee. There's not a lot of creativity in it. It's just not good. I remember when I was at John Carroll University, there was someone made a Twitter account called JCU Hot or Not, and they would post pictures of people from John Carroll University, and then other people would like ridicule these people for being, you know, attractive or unattractive, uh, and they would just objectify other people. And it got some momentum, and it got some uh, followers. And it was the talk of the town for a bit. So I decided, well, I'm going to make an anonymous Twitter account also. It's going to be called JCU Compliments. And so what I ended up doing was going around on Twitter and complimenting people. And sooner rather than later, this loud majority of people said, this is the kind of stuff that we want. We need to be affirming one another. It is so easy to see the flaws in each other. We're all hurt. We're all broken. And so to see flaws in people, that's easy. But to give people the best possible read of the situation, it's it, it, St. Ignatius of Loyola found that to be an important principle. To give people the best possible read of the situation is something that's hard. It's just not ingrained in us. And I don't know where that comes from. It, it's some kind of brokenness. Maybe we'll get into that in today's presbyteral exhortations. Oh, wait, no, not that. Pastoral counsel. We'll get into it in pastoral counsel, but man, I just, I'm, I'm tired of, of that sort of thing. You're not leading people to Jesus. You're not even trying. Gosh, if I logged on to Catholic Twitter and I saw all this sarcasm and not even like a good kind of sarcasm where the person receiving the sarcasm absolutely knows it's 100% a joke and it's not even a half truth. But this brutal sarcasm, like I wouldn't want to join that church. Don't you see the destruction that you're doing? It's actually harmful. It's actually harmful to do things like that. I mean, in your prayer life with Jesus, what do you say to him? Hey, Jesus, I made this funny account making fun of your bishops. <laughs> no. And if you were to argue with me, you would say, I'm just pointing out the flaws in the leadership. We don't need anyone to point out the flaws in the leadership. I mean, good journalism is doing that. Our friends at the pillar are doing that. But your parody, it's just, it, you're operating out of woundedness. Don't you see that? You've been hurt by our leadership and, and boy, haven't we all. But then to operate out of it isn't productive. What is productive is being healed by Jesus Christ, by going to him with the pain and the suffering that you've, you've gotten from the leadership or from any part of the church, having Jesus heal that, which can take time, which can be painful, and then operate for justice out of that healedness. And if you're listening to this and you make parody accounts and you make snide remarks of the church and you're like, ah, Nick, that's a bunch of crap. I don't know, man. That's not the Jesus I know. Anyway, we'll talk more about that and uh, other things in today's 
Pastoral Council. Whew. The next tweet is from my illustrious wife, at end of days woman. First, before I read the tweet, I want her on this podcast. I want her to, to, to do one of these fill-in shows with me. But she says she will absolutely not podcast. And people who meet her say, you have a voice for podcasting. And she does. It's a very good voice. It's not high or shrill or anything. It's just, it's easy to listen to. I mean, I like my wife. I'm going to brag about how awesome my wife is all the time. And she's uh, dynamic when she talks. She's strong when she talks. She'd be great on the podcast. She'd keep me in check on the podcast. But hey, if you want producer Riley on the podcast, um, tweet at us, email us, let her know. Let her know that you want her as a guest host. Here's her tweet. Gonna pray a rosary while I get my cavities filled. What are your intentions? Okay. Now you're going to think I'm a hypocrite because I just said how awesome and smart my wife is. And I stand by that. I do. But praying a rosary while undergoing the most miserable experience you can. I'm friends with dentists. I've been to the dentist quite a few times. The dentist says that I have very soft teeth, but what I forget to tell my dentist is that I eat a lot of candy. So getting a cavity filled, and all of us get our cavities filled like right after college. Remember how like you went to college for four years, forgot to brush your teeth, didn't have the best living habits. And so you come home from college and you're like, oh, I should go to the dentist because your mom and dad make you go to the dentist. And then you have like, 10 cavities for me. It was something like three or four cavities. It's just not a, a, a delightful experience. And I know that pain and suffering, can you can offer that up to the Lord for like, uh, as a prayer, you can do that. If you're having a bad day, you can say, you know, Lord, I offer this, this, this pain for my friend who's going through a tough time. Look after them, uh, help them out with their problems, help them to trust in the Holy Spirit, whatever your prayer is, however you pray. But gosh, I just don't think I could pray a rosary while I got my cavities filled. I mean, it, it's a great thing. I can imagine, you know, going to the dentist, having your rosary in your hand and, and even that being a witness. But my gosh, Riley, how do you have the ability to do that? You are a one of a kind person. To me, that sounds that sounds so distracting, so hard. I don't even think I would pray. I think I would just barely get through a couple words. I'd feel some pain. I forget where I am. I drop my rosary on the floor. It'd be terrible. Praying a rosary at other places. Yeah. On a walk for the park, on a long car ride. Um, while before you, you go to bed, when you wake up in the morning, there's plenty of good places to pray your rosary. I, I find that it's the most, it's like, Background musics to background music to meditating on the mysteries. It's it's just awesome. But like, I I used to pray it while walking to work when I worked down the diocese. I would walk across one of the many bridges of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, and it was so nice. And normally, by the time I was done with that rosary on my walk back to my car uh, from the office, I could leave everything at work. At work, it was cool. But like at the dentist, oh geez just sounds terrible. 
All right, now it's time to move on to my favorite section, the section where the lady get to talk about whatever they want. That's right, this is the Producer Nick Takeover. It's time for Pastoral Council. Ugh. And now it's time for Pastoral Council where the laity are empowered to say words. Oh, yippee! Good for you, lay people! You have opinions! You are a barnacle head. You know, I think SpongeBob is, is so... Well, it's a good show. But all the characters in SpongeBob are so wise to use barnacles as a swear word. So if you're not familiar with the show and you're an adult, um, every time anyone in the cast of SpongeBob wanted to swear, they said, ah, barnacles. And it was a good way to say like, oh, no, you know, oh, crap on a kid's TV show or something worse. Barnacles. So I've had this image in my head. I I was talking to uh, my youth minister. Her name was Julie. And we were talking a bit about healing, uh, healing our wounds from times past. And I, I really, really have been into this theme lately personally in my prayer life, uh, in, in my spiritual life. And the reason why I accused you of being a barnacle head is because I'm a barnacle head. It seems as though like we all have brokenness. We all have woundedness. We all, you know, have you ever said I was mean to someone and I don't know why today? Or I was a jerk or I didn't handle that well. Or why do I always react like that to this person or that person? Sometimes I think we're mean and sometimes I think we sin, but we don't know where the the root cause is. I don't think many people sin just because it would be fun to do. Like, hmm, I think I'll do a sin against that person today. I'll trip him down a flight of stairs. No, I don't think people think that. I hope you don't think that. I, that would be terrible. No, I don't think we sin on purpose. Not often anyway. Especially if we're trying our best in the Catholic world. But we end up sinning, you know. Where does it come from? Okay, so you can, you can pin it on certain things. Like maybe I was hungry. Maybe I was angry. Maybe I was sleep deprived. And those are natural things where uh, you're more susceptible to sin. You're more susceptible to, to, to temptation. And I, I think those natural things are, are real and uh, that sort of thing. Other times there's situations that I think we don't even go back to look at to try to figure out like, why was it? What was the root cause? Because yeah, you can say I was angry and that's why I said that mean thing to that person. Or I was uh, depressed and that's why I committed this or that sin, you name it. But do we try to dig down deep and find out why? You know, one great way to, to, to do this, to start noticing patterns in your life. I'm getting back to the barnacles thing, I, I promise. The one way to get down to the root of like, you know, what are the patterns in my life when these sins are coming up is the daily examine of St. Ignatius of Loyola. 
If you're not familiar with uh, the exam, and it's a way to pray. It's kind of like a guideline to pray. You can be led through it as a meditation. You can do it yourself. If you type in any Google search, uh, the daily examine or the examine of St. Ignatius, uh, something like this will pop up. It's normally like in five different steps. Step one, become aware of God's presence. So maybe you do that with some deep breathing. Maybe you do that by just reflecting on uh, how God is real and how he's with you and how the Holy Spirit is, is always with you. That never abandons you. So take time to like sort of meditate, to, to think about that. Next, you review your entire day with a sense of gratitude. That's right. From the moment that you wake up, uh, what you had for breakfast, what this person said to you that made you upset, or what this person said to you that made you laugh, uh, if your kids were bothering you, if your kids made you laugh, if your kids were late for school and it, it made you flustered uh, f- to get on the school bus in the morning, all the way to work, all the way you know uh, to what you had to lunch and what you had to dinner, everything in between, into this moment at the end of the day where you review your entire day with a sense of gratitude. While you're doing that stage three, you're supposed to pay attention to your emotions. When you're paying attention to your emotions, you're going to want to look for the one thing in your day that really sparks some emotions that you may not have liked, or maybe you did like. But for the sake of like looking for the root cause of what one of your sins might be, choose a a part of your day that was hard for you and pray from that point. That's step four. Choose one feature of the day and and pray from it. Basically vent to God about what happened and how you were feeling. And anything else, you can ask him for advice. You can say sorry. You can do anything you want in that point, but just pray from that point. And then finally, uh, step five is to look forward to tomorrow. If you were to do tomorrow differently, what would it look like? If you were to play tomorrow in your brain a little bit, as if God was like right beside you, encouraging you the whole time, what would that look like? Okay. This is one of my favorite prayers because it helps you recognize certain patterns in your life. Because it goes from saying like, oh yeah, I get angry about some things sometimes to, you know what? I'm mostly angry in the morning. To a little bit deeper, I'm mostly angry in the morning when I walk into work and I can't put my stuff down and someone comes to tell me something to do right away and it's frustrating. Can you see how like praying this prayer every day and having certain routines recognized every single day can help you figure out a little bit closer to what those roots of of where your sin is coming from? Praying this prayer for me has been super duper helpful. It's a great way to review your day. It's a great way to notice those patterns. But noticing the patterns in when you get upset and when you sin is only so deep to answering this root question. I, Nick Sharapa, am going to make this claim that normally there's some kind of wound some event that has formed us in our past. 
something that has hurt our hearts in the past so badly that ends up being the thing that we operate out of. Let me say that again. I think a lot of times the reason why we sin is because someone sinned against us a long time ago and it hurt us. Or maybe not even that long ago. It hurt us so bad that we we can't ignore it and it it it, it dictates how we act. A past wound, a past hurt, a past experience has hurt so bad that we operate out of it. And we can't help it. It's almost like a subconscious sort of thing. Okay, I'm going to get back to the barnacles here. It's like this. If every time you were hurt, you grew a barnacle on your skin, and you kind of acted like, ah, no, it's no big deal. It's just a little blemish. And then you get hurt again. And you're like, I'm fine. You get hurt again and again and again. You're rejected. Someone does something that makes you feel lonely. Someone does something to you that uh, is, is unspeakable. Someone wounds you. Someone close. It could be a brother, a sister, a father, a mother. And slowly we gain all of these barnacles and barnacles and barnacles and barnacles on our skin. But I don't think that we see the barnacles on our sin, on our skin, because if we could see all the wounds and all the gashes we have in our lives and on top of us, if we could actually see that, we'd be like, holy crap, I need to get these off of me. I look like such a mess. I, I, I feel like such a mess. If it was that obvious to us, we would do something about it. If it was obvious to us that we were hurt and that we haven't forgiven our past and that we haven't forgiven others in our past and that uh, we haven't really tried our very best to take our hurts to Jesus and have him heal us, a lot of us don't even know what those wounds are. Some of us are blissfully aware of the wounds of our past. Some of us totally know that moment when something bad happened to you because it was very serious. And, and if that's you uh, and you're working on finding healing, uh, bravo. That, that, I think that is the journey to, to try to find healing and to pursue healing because big thing that happened to you in the past or small thing that happened to you in the past... I would make the claim that Jesus wants you to be free of that. And for some of us, he can heal it in one day of prayer. And sometimes it will take a lifetime, depending on the issue. Like imagine, um, uh, someone, someone was telling me this the other day. Uh, imagine like someone hits the game winning home run on your team and everyone runs into the middle and they're jumping up and down with each other and you run to the middle cause you want to join. And some, one of the teammates looks at you and, and says like, what are you doing here? And you're like, Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no problem. Yeah. You know, I, I shouldn't be here, but you wanted to celebrate and 
you wanted to uh, part, like be a part of this team and then you weren't. And so what you can do and what most people do is say, ah, it was nothing. You know, that was fine. It was no big deal. Whatever. But down below, I think what we're doing is like stuffing a little bit of hurt farther and farther down. We're just putting makeup over a barnacle. Rather than in that moment rejecting the lie that you are worthy of being a part of a team and jumping up and down with your teammates and having fun and celebrating, rather than rejecting the lie that uh, you're not supposed to be a part of that, we say, you know what, maybe I am deserving of being uh, outcast. And I don't think we say it in our conscience. Some of us do, some of us don't. And so we just wear a barnacle and we put makeup over the barnacle. And then next time something like that happens and, and uh, you are actually in the baseball circle and you're jumping up and down with people and then that one kid who you don't really like tries to join this party, it's really easy to say, what are you doing here? We operate out of our woundedness rather than operate out of the freedom that Jesus wants to give us. Do you see how the hurt and the pain of someone can hurt someone else? It's not an excuse, by the way. Like some people will say, oh, uh, it's okay that that guy punched you in the face. He was hurting on the inside. No, 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 no. It is never good to punch someone in the face. You should condemn any kind of crime against you, any kind of bad thing against you, any kind of sin against you. It is wrong and you didn't deserve it and you didn't deserve it and you didn't deserve it. What you deserve is the love from God the Father in every and all things. Unfortunately, we're in this world where that's not the case. But no one ever deserves to be made an outcast like that. I'm keeping things vague, of course, with these examples of sins, because here's the thing. Look on Twitter. People will say, I can't believe that people act like this. They uh, should be ashamed of blah, 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 blah. What you're doing is you're looking at a person, generalizing them, not personalizing them, grouping them into a large group of people, and then accusing them, and after accusing them, shaming them. Now, the, the voice of the devil is one of accusation and the, and the voice of the devil is one of accusing and then shaming. He tempts you first. He's like, you are a bad person. And then when you believe that you're a bad person, you're like, told you so. And you should feel stupid for that. I'm going to shame you. He tempts you into believing that you stink. He accuses you of stinking when uh, you start to believe it. And then he shames you and then he, he'll, he says, you'll never be able to shower again. No, that's a, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's why Father Harrison and Father Anthony do this podcast, because my analogies are not great. <laughs> but that's his game, and we sort of perpetuate it. And so we just perpetuate a wound, and we don't see the barnacles on people's skin. We just see an enemy. 
rather than a brother or a sister in Christ. Like St. Paul says that our enemy is not in other people. Our enemy is in the devil. And so if you look for how he's acting in our culture and you look how he's acting, he's just pouncing on our woundedness. Like you and your flaws, he loves to tell you how much you suck. And that's not the voice of God. And that's not the voice of your heavenly father. That might be the voice of that boss, though. That boss who was really mean to you and fired you when it really wasn't your fault. And somehow you ended up believing that you do stink because that boss told you so. And he shouldn't have. Because you're not a loser. Because in the eyes of God, you're one of his children. You are the child of a king. Guys, if, if, if we all operated out of the freedom, like imagine your, your dad is the biggest, baddest dad on the street. No one messes with your dad. Your dad is the coolest guy on the street. Everyone thinks he's cool. And you, <laughs> you have the distinct honor of being his son or daughter. And so when you go walking down the street, you walk down the street with his street cred. Do the kids call it street cred now? I don't know. But since you're the son or daughter of the coolest guy in town, it doesn't matter what you wear. It doesn't matter that you make mistakes. It doesn't matter. You're not shamed in that. No, people are like, no, that guy's cool. Now, that's not how that works. I mean, if, you, if, you're, if you're Catholic, I mean, you're going to be persecuted. But if we viewed ourselves as God viewed us, as the coolest people around, for lack of wide vocabulary, cool. We probably wouldn't sin as much. That's what I think God wants to do. When he, when he wants to set us free from our sin, it might not be the sin itself. It might be the thing, the root cause that's causing you to sin. Now, here's the thing. Uh, I've been with a spiritual director for like mm, just about five years. And the, the root cause that we're sort of rooting out based on plenty of events in my past is, is some kind of self-hatred. That sounds harsh, right? Um, but a lot of my woundedness comes from like a, I'm not good enough. I'm stupid. People hate me. Now, uh, you know, if you were to talk to any one of my friends, they would probably say, oh, Nick, he's a great guy. Producer Nick, he's relatively funny. Producer Nick, he's talented. Producer Nick, he, he does good podcasts. Whatever, who, who cares? If you act to ask the regular person, they probably say something nice about me because I'm generally nice to people. When I go to the drive-thru, I'm the happiest person uh, talking on the other end of the microphone. I'm, they'll be like, hi, can I get your order? I'm like, hi, can I have a number two, please? Like, that's just how I talk. So people probably say nice things about me, but nevertheless, no matter how many times people tell me that I'm nice and that I'm a good person or whatever, I've still always struggled with a, a deep insecurity of, of self-hatred and it, it pops its ugly head up more than I'd like. I remember one time recently, I was with my spiritual director. I'm like, why does this thing keep coming up? 
Like just when I think I have it identified, like I, I identify it happening before I even start getting into a bad mood or a bad space where I would sin. Normally I can call it out, but sometimes I still can't even call it out. It creeps up on me from out of nowhere. My root cause, my root wound keeps coming up. And so the reason why I say this is not to be like, oh, Nick, don't hate yourself. I'm like, I know I shouldn't hate myself. And most times I don't. I think Jesus has freed me from a lot of those problems. He really has. Jesus has freed me from a lot of self-hatred problems. But because it's such a big wound in my past, it's going to take some time to heal it. And like, if I'm ever fearful, normally the motivation of my fear is some kind of self-lacking. And if I viewed myself as God the Father viewed myself in those viewed me in those moments, I I, I probably would be free. Like actually free. Like not America free. Like, yeah, freedom, guns, liberty. I like those things. Those things are nice. But I'd be free to be who God made me to be. Someone who operates out of my own healing. Now, is it po- if you've been so wounded in the past, is it is it possible to operate out of freedom when you feel like your wounds are too big? Yes. Yes, that's the good news. You don't have to be like God doesn't want you to be some kind of perfect. God doesn't want you to have mastered these plans and these things and master them right now. God doesn't want you to do things in a particular way. No, really what God wants is you. He wants you. That's what he wants most. He wants your everything. And so anytime we give him any kind of woundedness, anytime we show him one of our barnacles, he can start doing work. And that can give you freedom. You might not see it right away. I, I don't see it right now. Sometimes I feel like I've made no progress in this pursuit of finding freedom in my life, freedom from past wounds and past hurts. But if you were to, if I look back at Nick Sharapa like five years ago, gosh, I, I wore a lot more chains than I used to. I mean, I really hope that when I'm like 106 years old, nah, I like smoking cigars. That won't happen. When I'm 78 years old, that when people see me, they're like, that's a really free guy. You can tell uh, that he knows who his father is in heaven. You can tell that pulling off those barnacles were hard, but man, he's so free. He's so close to Jesus and he doesn't operate out of woundedness. He doesn't hurt other people for some weird satisfaction. No, he's good to people. He loves like Jesus does. That's what I want. I want that now. Uh, And I'm trying my best. And if you are too, that's precisely where you're supposed to be. God just wants you. Okay, so here's the question. How do you give Jesus your woundedness? I would say first, start off with that, that, uh, that daily examine. 
and realize when, when those bad things sort of happen, become a little bit self-aware of things happening into your day to day. Then if it means going to a counselor, I go to a counselor. I know plenty of people who have because a counselor's job is to sort of identify those core wounds and name them. Or if you feel like you can do it. Yeah, some people can. They're very self-reflective people out there who can say, you know what? I think it was this moment that really hurt me. That makes me feel not worthy enough or that makes me feel not pretty enough or that makes me feel not good enough or that makes me feel whatever, whatever wound, right? Then say, then, so if you do all that and you start identifying your wounds, no matter uh, from your past, no matter how you do it through talking through a good friend, a spiritual director, a counselor, I, I super don't, you know, whatever, really whatever works for you. Then comes the prayer portion. Jesus, in that moment when I was humiliated in front of the class for peeing my pants, we all know that kid. We all know that kid. It happened at every high school. It happened at every middle school. Someone peed their pants. Anyway, if that was you, we'll use you as an example. Jesus, I was humiliated when people laughed at me when I peed my pants in front of the class. I felt like a loser. I felt like an outcast. And from that moment on, I felt like I had to perform for people so that they could actually love me. In that moment, how did you see me, Jesus? Did you see me as a failure? Or did you love me? Did you see me like the woman at the well? Or did you not even look at me as I walked by? No, he doesn't do the not look at you while he walks by thing. He, uh... He loves and embraces you. That's who he is. That's what he does. Anyway, that's, that's what I'm thinking about healing a lot lately. Do you know a priest or a bishop who is so hardened? It's probably because they've been hurt really, really, really bad. Come on, like they're, they're, the life of a priest is pretty dramatic. If you, if you get to know any of them, the amount of criticism that they get, they have one or two options to let barnacles grow all over to them, all over them to the part where they're so hardened and it's so hard to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit or man, they can fight the good and noble fight of giving those wounds over to Jesus, those hurts over to Jesus and say, who do you say that I am? Jesus. So when we say pray for a priest, pray for healing. Back to the USCCB thing. If, you're, if you feel like your bishop is out of touch and this and that, they very well may be. That's a tragedy. Not something to be mocked. And if that's the case, how do you heal someone? How can you be a part of, of someone's healing? Do you mock them further? No, you don't. It doesn't do anything. It won't make things better. 
Look, the guys on this show all the time say the best way to change the church is to personally become a saint. If we work on our woundedness and we look at it and and, and work on it and, and give it to Jesus and give our whole lives to him through prayer, chances are you're probably not going to make a parody account for the USCCB. Chances are you would reach out to your bishop and say, I'm praying for you. I know you're busy, but I would love to have you over sometime with a couple other priests and just pray with you. That would be crazy, right? I don't know that a lot, a lot of them would say yes, but I know some bishops who would say yes to that. I know priests who have said yes to that. Do you see the difference? Changing the church by mocking it doesn't do anything. I think the two ways to change the church are through journalism, accountability, bring the evil to light if evil is happening. Thank you, friends at The Pillar and other places. Sure, that's one way to to help the church. Point out the evil, bring it to light. But I think the, the other way and the best way for us who, who, who don't have a say in much, who feel like we're just laity, is to pray for and pray with our priests and other Christians. If you're looking for resources or, or, or some way to s- figure out this journey of healing, uh, there are some out there. The first thing that comes to mind to me is uh, this website. It's JPII, like JP2, JPIIHealingCenter.org. And it seems to me that they have a bunch of different events. They have a store where you can buy things all about healing. Heck, on their homepage, there's a picture of JP2. And it says, become who you are meant to be and you will set the whole world on fire. That's a quote from some saint. I can't think of it. If you know who that saint is, you're probably screaming it right now. But isn't that it? You are not meant to be someone who believes that they're a piece of garbage. That's not you. That ain't you. That don't look good on you. Uh, You're meant to be precisely who you're meant to be. And that's a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's a, a son or a daughter made in his image and likeness. That's cool. Um, so check that out as a first step. They've got plenty of stuff there. Woo. Oh my gosh, you guys. I felt like I just yelled into a microphone for uh, 46 minutes. I'm a dramatic dude. I am. I get real fired up about this stuff. I really do. Uh, that's why I don't dig the sarcasm. I don't dig. I, I just don't. It's not my thing. I think it's just an excuse to act out of our woundedness and call it humor. Sometimes sarcasm's funny if you if you're on good terms and all that crap. But anyway, hey, thank you for listening. Please uh, feel free to donate to us on Patreon. The guys will be back soon. Father Anthony is uh, occasionally uploading interviews that he finds to be very life-giving. The guys are... I met with them just the the other day. Uh, They're doing well. Father Harrison, Riley, and Father Anthony and I uh, all met via Zoom. We talked a bit. We laughed a bit. And they're thinking they will come back soon. So that's exciting. That's exciting for me. 
I think they do this podcast way better than I do this podcast. So stay tuned to that. Our email is clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. Our website is clericallyspeaking.com. From there, you can find merch. Our merch is really silly. If you want to wear a hoodie with our logo on it, you certainly can. There's also a, a mug with my face on it, photoshopped onto St. Thomas Aquinas. You can, you can buy our merch if, if, you, if you want. Uh, feel free to share this podcast with someone who you think needs to hear it. Thanks, peace, and God bless.